Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans or fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. All right, Brewer fans, welcome to another podcast of the Brew Crew Review. Joining me today, uh, I'm Craig, by the way, and joining me is a of course, one of our good friends and hosts, Vince. How are you doing tonight, Vince? Hey, Craig. How are you? Do we have uh, Scott on? Uh, I think he might be chiming here at some point. Um, he's been running some errands and what have you. Um, so um, hopefully we can, he'll join us um, and talk some bird baseball because it's a whole lot of fun this time of year as we're coming up on the hot stove season. So, um, I guess, um, to get started, I guess, is the big news, um, so far in the off season, I guess, is the, uh, the Brewers have a new GM. They promoted Matt Arnold, um, to GM. So he becomes the 10th GM in the history of the Brewers and David Stearns, uh, did not lose his job, but instead also got promoted to, is it president of, uh, baseball operations yeah i think that that's right i mean this is all kind of to me at least an issue of semantics i guess you know david stearns and matt arnold have worked very closely together obviously uh since david stearns was was brought here uh in 2015 and and both of those guys have been a huge part of the brewers uh success i think over the past five seasons so um you know happy for matt arnold i think that it was probably done if i had to had to guess because, you know, he probably has been, I know he's been in consideration for other GM jobs. I think most recently with the angels. Um, so this is probably a chance to give him that title to keep him in Milwaukee uh, to kind of keep this, this brain trust together. I'm sure it involved the financial, um, you know, upgrade for him as well. So he, um, he probably got a raise out of it. Um, kind of, kind of exciting. I know I sent around a, a trivia question to, to you guys on our text thread and, asked how many other GMs and Brewers history you could name. Um, so we could probably cover that later on in the show, but um, kind of interesting. I, I guess I would have assumed in the 51 years of the Brewers that there would have been more than 10 GMs uh, until looking it up. But um, in, in any event, congrats to Matt Arnold for officially attending the position. And I'm glad that, you know, it's not because David Stern's left the organization. I think that it's, it's exciting that we've got the same group of guys continuing to work. And that, that really matches up with our on the field crew as well um, with Craig council still being the manager. So it's, it's exciting to see because uh, you know, as you know, Craig, Craig council was brought in by Doug Melvin in one of his last moves before um, David Stern took over as GM. So it's good that you've got a relationship that's been built now between Stearns, Arnold and Craig council on the field. You know, it seems to be a, a pretty good trifecta. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think the main thing is that we're able to, you know, by promoting Arnold, we're able to kind of keep him around because otherwise I think other teams and there are a lot of teams with GM openings right now would be sniffing around. And uh, without him, in the position he was, the Brewers did not have the option to block interviews to other teams. And now as a GM, if a team actually has to request our permission to interview him now that he's a GM. Yeah. So, so I think that might have been yeah. part of the move. Uh Yep. But I guess I don't really know what the, behind the scenes. That's kind of speculation. But anyway, I'm excited. I, I know Arnold uh, originally came from the Tampa Bay Rays organization. Um, and, and uh, yeah, he's got a great baseball mind. And it has really been 
one of the architects along with Stearns um, of the current club. Um, so I'm excited to see what he can do in the role going forward. But like you said, I think it's going to be a tandem thing where they're and so not much. I don't think is going to change as far as the decision making going on um, going forward. But uh, yeah, it's still congratulations to Matt Arnold, our 10th GM in Brewers history, like you mentioned. So, um, all right. Well, another topic I want to get to. Um, well, first of all, I guess I don't. I guess we probably haven't done a podcast since. Uh, I guess I'd like to congratulate Devin Williams. Brewers relief pitcher to be named NL Rookie of the Year. Um, yeah, uh, big, pretty big. awesome accolades, and I, I guess I wasn't even expecting it. So, um, congratulations to him. He had an amazing 2020, which not too many people on earth can say that. So, <laughs> that's so true. That is that is so true. And yeah, Devin Williams, what a great year. I mean, we talked about him throughout the season on our podcast, but. Um, you know, I, I tend to take kind of the historical lens with things, and uh, it, it's really cool. Devin Williams becomes just the third rookie of the year in uh, Brewers fr- franchise history, uh, the second National League rookie of the year. Um, so he joins Ryan Braun in that category, and Pat Listash uh, overall is, is the three rookie of the year award winners in Brewers franchise history. So, so kind of cool to see him get that recognition. You know, I, I don't, I'm not one to, to, kind of bemoan the fact that we're in a small market, but I will say that guys, I think in Milwaukee tend to get a little bit, you know, tend to get the short end of the straw, so to speak, uh, just playing in the market that we do. And and with the media being, you know, so much more powerful in other cities across the league, it's nice to see that the writers recognize the guy like Devin Williams and his, his contributions this year. And, And quite frankly, when you look at his numbers, it shouldn't have been even close. I mean, he was so dominant this year. And then I won't say it came out of nowhere, but I think that the level of dominance came out of nowhere to a degree. Um, I think, you know, Brewer fans, uh, including us on this podcast, have talked about the fact that he could be a very quality addition to our bullpen, but um, to see the numbers he put up, it was just ridiculous. I mean, it was like a video game or something. It was crazy. Speaking of video games, he has a pitch that people around the league are calling the airbender, which is pretty awesome name for a pitch. I mean, it's really unhittable. <laughs> it's and, and, like the old I, Mississippi mud ball from Tim Dillard. Yeah, I mean, it's it's on par with that almost. It's quite amazing. But, um, I mean, he was a former first-round pick for the Brewers. But I, I think he had kind of, like, fallen under the radar, um, you know, as far as what he – because obviously the, he was groomed as a starting pitcher and that, you know, didn't come to fruition in the minor leagues. But um, what a great find and an emergence, for, you know, out of kind of seemingly nowhere um, – for the Brewers this year, similar to almost what Trent Grisham, you know, looked like a failed prospect and all of a sudden came out last year and we were able to, you know, trade him after his, his good year. I don't think we'll be doing the same with Devin Williams, our rookie of the year. In fact, it kind of segues into my next topic, which um, or I should say our next topic. And that um, is, I think the emergence of Devin Williams uh, may give the Brewers top brass, the, um, I guess, more comfortable option as far as possibly the thought of trading Josh Hader. Um, I think because I think they're confident Devin Williams can handle that back of the bullpen role already, you know, after his amazing season and not only that, but he'll be still on the cheap. So, and then I think conversely, you know, Josh Hader is going to be in his second year of arbitration. And even though we'll, we will control, you know, uh, he, he's going to have four arbitration years overall. So he's still under team control for three years. Um, I think it's starting to make sense to um, 
I guess, ponder and determine what Josh Hader's future with the Brewers is going to be. So I'd like to talk about that. Hopefully Scott chimes in here. I, I know he's an expert on this type of a uh, uh, question, yeah. but uh, I'm, I'm sure you could, you're going to do a great job too, Vince. But I, I guess I wanted to frame it like this. Um, I wanted to frame it like this. I think that the Brewers have three ways to go forward with this Josh Hader um, potential, how to deal with it, I guess, going forward. And that would, I'll, I'll label them as A, B, and C. Option A, I think, would be to trade him during this offseason for like the biggest package you can get, uh, most likely highlighted by a offensive prospect that could be, you know, uh, franchise cornerstone going forward on the cheap. Um, and option B would be to hold on to them um, and possibly trade them at, at this trade deadline if the Brewers aren't indeed in contention to look at trading him with the idea that you could probably milk more out of a contender at, a, at the trade deadline for a top of the line reliever like that because once teams are in position knowing that they are going to be in playoff position, uh, you know, adding a reliever like Josh Hader is that type of move that can put a team over the top and make a huge difference in the postseason. So I feel that we can even possibly get more at the trading deadline than we could during this offseason when, you know, obviously teams can sign free agent bullpen arms rather than have to, you know, give up quite a bit of their uh, future, which they'll probably have to do to acquire a Josh Hader. So that's option B and might make the most sense for the Brewers. Option C, and one I'm sure most Burr fans might wish that they take, and maybe they will, and that would be to keep Josh Hader uh, going forward, um, possibly for you know all three of the next three years until we have to, until it becomes a free agent. Because um, you know the Brewer, you know obviously if you look at today's baseball and the success of playoff teams, and the Brewers themselves have made the playoffs three years in a row. Uh, having, you know, awesome one-two punch in the back of the bullpen really makes a huge difference. Um, and to have Hayter Williams at the back of the bullpen would make the Brewers that much better if he were to remain a Brewer. Um, but, um, yeah. so, so that would be option C, I, I suppose. And, and so I guess we can discuss on which option, if we were GM of the Brewers, which option we would take, I guess, is the question I'd like to propose to you uh, yeah. next year. It's a, it's a tough scenario, Craig, and here, it, it really is. So I think there's a couple of things that we know are true. And, you know, I guess they could be disproven, but I still think that they're as close to being facts as you can get in this hypothetical scenario. And that one of those things is that Josh Hader's value is never going to be more uh, than it is today. So, you know, I don't think that by waiting, uh, you're going to increase the package that you can get for Hader. You know, he's, the, the more time that elapses, the less time he has under contract uh, where he's still arbitration eligible and thus controlled by whatever team acquires him. Um, so I, I think that in terms of, you know, his value, you're, you're not going to see that increase. Um, so that's, I think, just the reality of the situation, number one. Um, number two, you know, I think that we need to really start talking about where the Brewers are as a team uh, in terms of their ability to compete. I mean, if we're being honest, I think that, you know, everyone would agree that the only reason that the Brewers were able to make the playoffs for, for uh, this third consecutive year is that expanded playoff format, which will not exist and presumably not exist in 2021 um, 
you know, this isn't a team that's necessarily on the cusp. I hate to say that, uh, you know, I think that, uh, you and the guys on this podcast, along with myself are the biggest brewer fans that there are, but, um, I do think that also means that we need to be realistic. We've got a number of holes to fill. Our offense is, is quite frankly, fairly woeful. And I don't know that we're going to find, um, that to be changed a ton going into next season, given our, our constraints with our payroll, um, and I, you know, no fans in the stands in 2020 clearly didn't help that situation. So for those reasons, I guess I would reluctantly want to trade Hader um, if I was GM of the Brewers. And, you know, yes, Devin Williams can step into that role and that's, that's fine. And, uh, you know, you are losing a, I won't say once in a generation talent and Hader, but, a, you know, once very rare type of talent and Hader and, um, certainly he would improve the club by being on the club. But that being said, I think that you could start to restock that farm system a little bit. It has been depleted. Uh, a guy like Hader is your best bet to do that in, a, in the quickest way imaginable. And I don't think that David Stern is going to wait around to to do that um, necessarily. So I think it's likely that he's traded. I, I think that, again, if, if I was GM, I'd look into trading Hader unless you've got some weird plan in place that can really bring in at least two offensive pieces that can, I, I, I go back to 2019, I guess. And we never have really replaced Yosemite Grandal's production. And we've never really replaced like Moustakas' production. And even that wasn't enough to get us past the wild card playoff game. So until we do at least two more bats and another starting pitcher, um, to me, we're not really on the cusp. So that means that you have to keep retooling. Uh, and unfortunately that means that, Josh Hader is your is probably got to go because he's the guy that's going to be able to help help you to retool the quickest. Yeah, you hit on a lot of points uh, and great analysis there, Vince. That I that I kind of agree with. Um, I guess the main way to look at it is, unfortunately, especially I guess I mean you can't ignore the elephant in the room is this year that is COVID that really had an economic impact on the entire world, but the baseball world also, obviously in particular, and, you know, there was no revenue, revenue sharing in 2020 because of it. And I think the brewers, um, you know, already had to make some tough decisions with their own, you know, uh, staff and whatnot. And uh, I think that there's, it's pretty obvious that they're going to have to pair um, payroll back a bit going forward. And with that being said, I think it's really important uh, uh, to realize that Josh Hader is about to get kind of expensive. Um, and we've had him on the very, you know, league minimum pretty much up until last year. And when he, you know, was awarded arbitration for the first time and now going forward, each of the next three years, he's just going to get more expensive and more expensive. And that's just how it works. So uh, rather than have to pay him close to what his, you know, true value is each of these seasons, even though that's still, you know, immense value for a player of his caliber and most teams wouldn't, hesitate to pay that, of course, um, you could instead uh, look to move him, you know, unfortunately, since we are a small market, um, we'd have to, you know, look, I think it's imperative that we use, you know, someone like a dominant closer like he is um, to kind of trade him to like you're saying, restock the farm system or to identify a major league ready player that could be a cornerstone at a position of need. And as you noticed last year, the Brewers tried to fill their offense with a bunch of bargain bins type players. And it really kind of blew up in their face for the most yeah. part. And I, th- I don't think they want to go that route again. And they obviously can't uh, sign a long-term, you know, free agent uh, since they just locked up Yelich and 
uh, whatnot. Yeah. Or I shouldn't say they can't, but they likely won't. And so I think that the best way to go about that is to flip Hater for, for you know, a package, your best package that you can get. And, uh, of course, like I said, uh, option, well, option B is kind of expen- or kind of enticing because you could, you know, possibly get more for them at the this coming trade deadline. But the problem with that is um, a couple of things. It makes it just too risky, in my opinion. Number one, um, he could get injured, obviously. Um, and you don't want that because, uh, you, you know, if you, um, it, you can't afford to not get something for him, uh, you know, before he would go. Like, right. Uh, and number Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't think he's, ter- he's, you know, he's terribly injury prone. I don't know that his mechanics would lend one to think that. I, I will also say this. I don't think that it's the brewer that the brewers can't afford him. I think that it's more that the team can't afford to not get, you know, some quality return for him. And I know that we're still a few years out, obviously, from, you know, losing him just to free agency or something of that nature. And I think he's still affordable, even for the Brewers in this, you know, during his arbitration years for the most part. But I I just worry that we might not, if if we do wait and we don't trade him, Oh yeah, worry that we're not going to get get some value for him. That increased salary just adds a couple – they're definitely willing to pay it, but I'm just saying that it adds a little bit more of the payroll where they'd have to take over. Right, right. And especially right, now, no, uh, since, uh, 100%. Yeah. Since, since they're pairing back. But no, that, your, your point is is pretty much the one I'm trying to bring home here also is the fact that um, you've got a small market team and this economic uh, environment has got to get something of value uh, for Josh Hader that can be part of our future. We just have to. Uh, the the yeah. question that, that you know, so I think there's little to no chance of us keeping Josh Hare till the end of of his con. I, I guess of his arbitration eligibility of next three years. There's just no chance, you know, because we have to get something for him before we uh, he walks. Um, and so um, I think that you're right. The sooner you do it, the sooner than the later, the better package you're gonna get. And I really think that they need to do it this off season. Hopefully there's a market for him there. Yeah. I, I would say if you look around baseball, there'd be plenty of teams that would be willing to, um, you know, acquire a dominant closer um, and make a run at the playoffs. But, um, you know, whether or not they're willing to give up what the Brewers would be asking, which I'm sure would be a pretty steep price is, I guess, another thing. So it's like you could pick well, one of the options. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just said that that's the exact question that I have too. You know, when I talked about, you know, advocating a trade for Hater, I, I wouldn't advocate just trading him for the sake of trading him, I guess is my point. You don't just need to shed the salary. He's still not that uh, that terribly expensive. But so, you know, to me, it comes down to what's being offered in return. I guess there are so many weird things right now about, well, everything, but, uh, you know, even within, within baseball and baseball economics, we don't really know how the winter is going to shape up. There haven't been many major free agent signings yet. We saw Charlie Morton signed with the Braves today, but you know, outside of him, we haven't really seen too many, too much movement yet. Um, we don't really know. And he got the same figure that the, the Rays could have locked him down with in arbitration. You know, they could have offered him that salary, I guess. And what I'm getting at is I, I think that there's so much weirdness with this market. That's the one thing that kind of gives me a little pause and says that the Brewers may wait just because we don't really know how, how things are going to shape up. I do think that free agent salaries are going to gen- generally be 
depressed a bit this offseason, just given the economic uncertainties of the game right now, given the economic uncertainties of the country right now, and 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 given the fact that there was no revenue from fan attendance in 2020 um, to give teams that little cushion that they need a lot of times to to have a certain amount of revenue available for player signings. Um, so that's the one thing that gives me pause, I guess, in, in thinking that he might be dealt is just there are so many unknowns. And I don't know that we're going to get an answer to that anytime soon. And that's maybe leading to the second, to, to your, you know, option B scenario where maybe he's traded at the deadline, just when there is a little bit more certainty in the marketplace and, and we might have a better picture of where things stand. Uh, are we returning back to normal by that point? I don't know, but hopefully, and, you know, we've got those types of things to think about this off season, unlike any other off season that we've, ever had to deal with before. I mean, this is, this is the first COVID hot snow league. So <laughs> I think there's a lot that remains to be, to be determined um, as well. I'd be really interested to hear what our anonymous source, Tom Carter thinks about all this. So hopefully you talk to him and can give a recap of that too. Yeah, no, I, your points are very valid. Like, this is probably the most uncertainty in the off season that anyone can remember coming up for a lot of reasons. And I guess I, if I were a ball player, I wouldn't want to be a free agent going into this year necessarily uh, just because there's so much uncertainty economically. And, um, but with that being said, um, yeah, I think that the main point, I guess, is the Brewers will keep their options open. They're not just going to pick A, B, or C, like I, I laid out. They're going to, I think they're going to start, I guess we'll put it, they'll feel, start fielding offers for Hater as of now, if they haven't already. And, if they get an offer that they feel they can't uh, pass up, they won't. I guess I'll just put it that way. If they don't get that offer they're looking for right. uh, this off season, they're not just going to settle for the you know the package that they the, the, you know the best package they can get. Instead, if they want to get full value, uh, and so if they don't get that offer this off season, I think they will keep him at least until the trade deadline, uh, in hopes of getting that full value package for him um, by the trade deadline. But it, like I would be really surprised if Josh Hader is still Milwaukee Brewers at this time next year, like during the next offseason. It's possible, but then he's only going to have two years of arbitration left. And um, you know, like I said, like you pointed out, I should say uh, more the, of his team control that goes away, the less value you're probably going to get for him. So there's really no reason to stretch it out. Um, but again, you know, if they go that route and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden the Brewers are actually contending come July, then you know, right. it'll be really hard to make that move and justify it to the fans. And that's why I really think if I really had to you know, bet money on it, I, I kind of have a feeling he's going to be gone. He's probably made his last pitch as Milwaukee Brewer and not to freak fans out, but that's what I think, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, it should definitely be interesting. Well, and that's the thing, you know, do, does, does David Stearns and Matt Arnold have a plan, uh, you know, in place right now that are going to make the Milwaukee Brewers contenders in 2021? I, I tend to think that we've got too many holes that there's too much financial uncertainty that, um, you know, I, we, we saw last year, just the, the offense just struggled game after game. And, you know, this roster was built last year in 2020 with a patchwork, you know, series of guys, some of which worked out. I would say Jed Jorko worked out, but, you know, a lot of guys who didn't, Justin Smoke, Logan Morrison, others that, you know, were kind of jettisoned off the roster, even in a 60-game season. Um, so 
either way, it was built for retooling uh, again this offseason. But when that was done and that decision was made by Stearns, that was that was pre-COVID. I mean, it was pre-knowing what this market would look like. So now we're faced with the situation of having to do it all again with the economic uncertainty that the current landscape in, in, in baseball being in play. And we don't even, I mean, at, at this point, we don't even know who, like, who's going to be our, who's going to be batting cleanup next year. I, I, you know, I just throw that out there. I like, who's going to be batting cleanup in our lineup. And, no, I, and I, I think the point that you're really getting at is that as weird as it is to say the Brewers made the playoffs in 2020, but really to yeah. me, the, I think 2020 showed the Brewers brass, so to speak, that the team is not that close to being true contender. Um, right. There was some murder some, of some guys like Harbin Burns and obviously Devin Williams. Both those guys are, you know, huge emergent emerging young talents that we have control of. But besides that, almost any other, you know, player, we're, there's so many holes. I mean, we should, Obviously, there's, there are. there's a hole at third base, first base. Right. Um, plenty of them in our rotation. Lots of question marks um, all the way around. Um, you know, and then you have Ryan Braun's potential shoes to fill, so to speak. Um, and he might be coming back, like I said. But, uh, you know, the, there's just so much, well, so much uncertainty. It just doesn't feel like we're on the cusp of uh, making a long, deep playoff run with the current roster. And, and and we don't. No, it, I don't feel that we have the money to uh, make ourselves into the contenders with free agent signings this offseason because of the economic um, environment. And so, I think the combination of those things really, you know, leads back to that point of it makes total sense to trade uh, Josh Hader as soon as possible and and maximize the return and limit the risk, so to speak. No, I think that you're right. And and even for guys that, you know, are going to be added to this 2021 team that were not really a part of 2020, like Lorenzo Cain, for instance, what, what can we expect from a guy like Lorenzo? You know, he's aged a year without playing many meaningful baseball games. He, he didn't, he had a spring training and he had, I think five games out of the 60 that he played before he opted to go home. And I'm not critiquing his decision, but I am just saying that, you know, not playing essentially for a full year is, problematic for guys who get into a routine who need those reps who you know are used to that gruel, grueling schedule um you know we saw it with christian yelich when his schedule was thrown off he wasn't really able to ever compete like he had in 2018 or 2019 um so we really don't know i i just if i'm david stearns and matt arnold i'm i'm not thinking that we're not only are we not on the cusp, but we really don't know what to expect out of guys, even guys that we have significant investments with, like a Lorenzo Cain. And I'm not saying we should be looking for a new center fielder. What I'm saying is that there's just too many unknowns to not, unless you have a plan, unless there's some financial um, ability to bring guys in that we just don't know of as fans right now, or that our colleague Tom Hodgecourt hasn't dug up in his interviews. I, I just don't know what, money we're going to be using to go out on the free agent market and acquire guys to fill those holes right now for 2021. Um, if you can, if you have that, then great. Then you keep Josh Hader and that's a great one-two punch at the end of the game, you know, between him and Devin Williams at the back end of a bullpen, no question about it. But, uh, you know, I, I just don't see where we're going to be able to fill like a four, five, six, seven hitter in this lineup right now, which we currently don't have. Uh, you know, I'm very unsure of what happens after after Yelich and Kane at the top of the order. 
uh, at this point, you know, looking at the guys that we currently have on the roster. And again, I don't see the ability to go out and get these guys uh, on the free agent market or necessarily even to make trades without trading a guy like Hader to fill some of those other holes. So you certainly have a good core to build around, you know, Burns and Woodruff, I think are, are both of those guys have turned into legit one and two starters um, in a top notch starting rotation. I still think you need to add a third guy probably because uh, we don't know what we, what we really have in Eric Lauer or Josh Lindblom, but I think that those two guys and if Freddie Peralta can ever put it together, um, they can make a significant dent in, you know, that the problem we've always had with starting pitchers, it seems like. Uh, it's just this offense is very troubling. Omar Narvaez was disappointing both offensively and defensively last season, so I, I don't know that I'd put my faith in him and bring him back. Um there's just so many question marks, even amongst guys that we currently have filled in terms of, of having guys under contract. And that's not to say anything of guys who we've got as free agents. You know, Jed Jorko is a free agent this year. Um, you know, other guys that we don't necessarily – who's going to be our fourth outfielder? I guess it's Tyrone Taylor at this point. But, um, you know, Ben Gamble is a free agent. So there's there's just so many question marks around the diamond right now. And I know it's early in the off season, but I just – don't necessarily see the Brewers having the budget to do much, um, you know, in terms of acquisitions in the next couple months before opening day. Yeah. 2021 feels, I agree with almost all your points. 2021 really feels like a year to kind of like get back on track and see what we have and kind of cash in some of our chips and the main ship being Josh Hader into something that'll help us going forward, you know, right away. And also in 2022, um, from a different position or whatnot. Um, and so by restocking the farm, they'll just give us ammo when we are ready to be like true contenders and, and hoping it's 2022 and 2023 and beyond whatever. And that way we'll at least have some more chips in our farm system to make the trades that we need to kind of put us over, push us over the top as a small market team. And I just don't feel like we're in position with all the question marks that you mentioned to you know be a really strong playoff team in 2021 and that's uh, that's fine it's still exciting we're on the cusp of getting there but i really think this needs to be like a transitional uh year and and obviously the starting next offseason i really think that economics will be back on our side overall yeah brewers and baseball and so this is kind of like a year that i don't think we should go all in so to speak and i think it's pretty obvious but uh it'll it'll be exciting year nonetheless because i'm really um, and not even knowing what we did in the offseason yet, but just looking at the guys that are returning, um, like, you know, we need, uh, like you mentioned, a, a nice comeback year from full comeback year from Lorenzo King. We need his presence in the in the clubhouse and we need his ret- veteran presence now with Braun possibly gone, um, you know, on on the field too. And I think that he'll provide that and get back on track. We need Christian Yelich to return to his at least near his MVP caliber form of the two previous years to 2020 um, because he was, you know, not his numbers he put up in 2020 and really never getting on track. were not even that of a real solid, you know, regular, even uh, hardly. So, I mean, um, I think he will do that. Man, I'm just excited. I'm just excited that we might get a chance to actually attend a game in person in 2021. Like the, the product on the field is, is far, far less important to me, to be honest. I, I well, think, of course, yeah. you know, like many fans, I'm just excited, hopefully for a return to normalcy by then and to, you know, actually check out a, a big league game again would be great. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on that one. Um, and so, you know, getting back to Yelich real quick is 
like he just needs to have a bounce back here to full year to get back on track. And I think he will this year, uh, which will be great. And I also feel that, you know, like you said, beyond uh, Burns and Woodruff, and again, we're not going to sign a big time free agent. It's just not happening uh, on the starting pitcher or at all, probably, but definitely not a starting pitcher. I can almost guarantee you that. Um, and so uh, what does that mean? We have too many question marks beyond those first two guys. Um, so I really feel that 2021 is really going to be a, a season where the Brewers need to see what they have and some guys like Eric Lauer, who they traded for, like Fred Peralta still, and like even Adrian Hauser and what role he'll have. So I think we really just need uh, – yeah. I really feel like we need at least one of those guys to emerge as a rotate uh, as a controllable rotation piece going forward. And then if we if we have those three chips in place at the top of our rotation going into 2022, then we can probably open up the purse strings a little bit and bring in a really quality veteran free agent um, to add to that mix. And then I really feel, you know, that we'll be on our way. And, and, and obviously whatever pieces we were to get from Josh Hader would start to develop and all that good stuff. And uh, I also just yep. should mention that Keshin here had a pretty decent year last year, but I really feel that there's more potential. And I think one more year of experience out of him, uh, I, you know, he could really break out either this year or in the next and, uh, you know, become a basically middle or order hitter that we saw just. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, all this stuff comes with a grain of salt. Like, you know, we all watched, you know, most of the games, I think, in 2020. But it was such a weird year. I mean, these guys that reported to spring training, then they get home, they get sent home from spring training and sit there for several months. And then they come back and they play in stadiums uh, with just a very limited prep period with no fans uh, in a 60-game season, you know, a, a short sprint. I'm not saying that it was all an aberration, you know, but when I see guys like Christian Yelich, so I mean, I'll say it about other guys on other teams too, even guys that I can't stand like Javier Baez, you know, these are not bad players. They're, it was a weird year. And I think that the, the lack of normalcy in terms of the training regimen, in terms of uh, a longer season, I think that that really hurt guys. And it seems especially offensively rather than just, you know, pitchers. I, I think that it was really affecting guys like a Christian Yelich who, who it seems like really value routine and having that, you know, sort of, you know, you show up at whatever date in mid February and you, you, you kind of work on stuff for six weeks and then you're there and, you know, the beginning of April for a full 162 game season and you prep yourself to, to be, uh, you know, healthy and, and successful over a long season and then get ready for a playoff chase. You know, those those were all experiences that were not had last year. So for anybody that was a veteran who, you know, was used to that, and I'll say the same, Ryan Braun, you know, the same way, a guy who's been in the big leagues since 2007. I, I just think that that lack of consistency really hurt a lot of guys last year. So I don't, you know, Yelich obviously struggled, but I don't think we should be judging him necessarily on that uh, per se. So I, I'm excited to see what, this group of guys can do in 162 game season. I, I'm not saying that the current group that we have is competitive necessarily, but I am saying that, you know, it'll be good to see kind of like what you said, if 2021 is what you think it is going to be. And I, I don't think you're wrong. And it's kind of a, you know, reset year, so to speak, but we've still got a core. Um, there could be worse things for the organization than that. And, you know, you see what happens, you, you know, you play out the games. I, certainly think that even the current group of guys that we have are better than Pittsburgh and 
certainly can compete with Cincinnati and maybe even better than the Cubs, depending on what they do this offseason. I just think it's going to be really tough to compete with, you know, St. Louis and, and probably even Cincinnati or Chicago. You know, it's a tough division. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But certainly I don't think that it, we're good enough to necessarily say, hey, we're going forward this year. We need to keep Josh Hader um, when we have a viable trade package uh, in front of us, if that is indeed the case. Yeah, and I kind of really trust uh, our new GM, Matt Arnold, and of course David Stearns working together to to get that you know package that the franchise so desperately would need uh, for Josh Hader. And 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 it, we definitely need you know the headliner for a trade like that to be someone that has immense upside that you know could blossom into a, a star, so to speak. And I really think that uh, they would probably be targeting someone like that on the offensive end of the game. And obviously looking at the Brewers really huge offensive struggles last year. Um, I think that's our, our, a huge glaring weakness overall for the organization. And uh, it should go also without, uh, without saying that uh, the, the lack of a minor league season, I mean, it's going to hurt all franchises and, and young player development throughout baseball, but of course it will the Brewers too. I mean, so, I don't think that you can really count on someone that lost a year of development to coming up and just emerging from the minor leagues. Uh, I mean, obviously it could happen. And some guys did get to play at the, the, you know, the alternative sites or whatnot, but it wasn't the same as, you know, the grind of a full season and competitive play where you, you know, learn from a lot of your mistakes as you go in and that's all part of the development and, and not having that, I, I think it's going to be, unfortunately, it's, it's just going to, it just feels like, all baseball is going to need a year or two to kind of get back on their feet, so to speak. And, and that's why I, you know, obviously I wouldn't, um, wouldn't say the Brewers are going to be going all in in 2021, not that, that anyone's going to be shocked by that statement, but it just feels that way. And that's fine. But obviously if we're, we're contenders or, you know, on the cusp of contending, uh, the organization will do what it needs to do to, uh, to try to get us in to the, the big dance, so to speak. Um, yep. So, I don't know if there's any other topics you wanted to cover, uh, Vince. I know we're still waiting for Scott. No, we can, no, we can cover the rest. I think next week or whenever we tape our next podcast, as soon as Scott's available, I know he's been, uh, you know, working hard and running a lot of errands or something. So let's we'll wait for him on on a few things and chat right, well, of course. Well, I do have a rapid nine here that we should probably get to because uh, I don't think it'll, it'll probably be yep. by the next episode. But uh, so we can just go around Robin I'll have you start off with each one obviously and then um, yeah quick go around the horn here and answer some interesting questions for our listeners thanks yeah let's do it did you write these or did our interns Uh, the interns influenced me in in certain ways but I did come up with most of these on my own Uh, so uh, let's do it first inning what position would you want the Brewers to most want to upgrade in free agency this offseason? Third base. You know, we just saw this dearth of production at third last year between uh, – well, I guess Jerko had some, you know, decent games. But I, I think overall not even that's not even sustainable. So, yeah, I'd say third base. Yeah, I kind of agree with you more. In most years, I almost – this question would be raised and I almost always say starting pitcher. But um, – this year, I, I agree with you at third base, but I'll just actually say either first base and, or catcher, really, you know. But yeah. Um, It'll be interesting right. to see if Vogelbach is going to come back to the same degree that he was there first last year at the, you know, last few weeks of the season. It, it's kind of quickly become a fan favorite. But anyway, 
Yeah, yeah. They're, they're based in Miami. And I think when the Brewers acquired him um, or gave him a shot, so to speak, off the waiver wire, um, there was some thought that if we if he was to merge, he would have the option to play him at first base or DH going forward. Uh, a little pause off the rapid nine here, just to quick point out to fans if they're not aware, there's still, I thought, you know, the DH coming back in 2021 was like a slam dunk done deal, but apparently, um, you know, it's not for sure that the DH will even be part of the NL uh, in 2021 season. Um, I, I know that MLB yeah. keep like pull that back as a bargaining chip, what I think is stupid, but anyway, I'll, I won't go on a Manford rant right now. Let's go to, back to the second. <laughs> Uh, but that, yeah. So, so again, yeah, that's just another whole um, potential stupid thing. But uh, all right, second inning. Okay, name the Brewers catcher that will start the most game for the Milwaukee Brewers in 2021. Uh, Manny Pena, Jacob Nottingham, Omar Narvaez, or somebody else. I think it's got to be somebody else. I mean. Now it's probably because I want somebody else, but it'll probably be Narvaez. I, I I really think we need to go out and get somebody else. Narvaez, if he was a great defensive catcher, you could kind of forgive the offensive struggles, but he's not. So you have to then get a bunch of offense from this guy, and he just didn't provide it. You know, maybe he just had an off year. Maybe he was a guy that you know suffered from that lack of routine, but. I just wasn't impressed by him last season. In in fact, he wasn't even average. He was significantly below average when you look at the numbers. And um, I think it'll be Narvaez because they won't have any options or won't have a budget to go get somebody else. But it shouldn't be. Yeah. Well, I agree with your assessment. Uh, I almost think that there's a strong chance that the Brewers, after the terrible, terrible season he had last year and his first year as a Brewer, um, that the Brewers might even consider not offering – Narvaez arbitration, um, and we'll see. And then just hand the starting role to Pena. Well, or or sign someone else, um, and, and maybe have Nottingham back up. I think Pena might be gone too. Uh, yeah. Um, if unless they're interested in bringing him as backup, but uh, I, I, you know, I don't really know, but but I guess I'll, I'll go with the fact that Stearns isn't willing to. Um, Crow on that one, yeah, or maybe that's not the right phrase, <laughs> but he's not willing to uh, give up on that trading. Yeah. yeah. And so, therefore, I think Omar Narvaez will go into 2021 as our starting catcher and be given a chance. But I think that they want to cut bait and, and if he struggles again, maybe getting, you know, majority of bats in Nottingham or something like that and look to sign someone else next yeah. offseason. But, but I think because of the fact that 2021 is like one of those transitional years, like we've been talking about, I think they'll give Narvaez one more crack at it so to speak and hope that he can reemerge. so that's my guess all right moving on to the third inning here um now the brewers did protect a few players uh you know from the upcoming rule five draft here that happens at the winter meetings coming up in a couple weeks already i think they may have the option to protect a few more going forward but uh, but i'm pretty sure that it's pretty much set i think they um they protected i know it's a tyrone taylor and, oh no, he was already on the forty man. But the, they they brought uh, mm-hmm. Bettinger and File both onto the forty man, I believe. And I think I'm forgetting one other person. But what one player they didn't bring on was Zach Brown, who's uh, kind of a middling prospect now at this point, but had some hopes of being a rotation um, piece for the Brewers going forward. Um, I guess the question for here for the third inning is, yes or no? Will Zach Brown be selected by another team in the Rule Five Draft? 
Um, I would say yes. I think he will be. I know he's, you know, he's kind of gone up and down as a prospect, but I, I still think that there's enough teams that have enough roster churn, so to speak, to give him a shot. So he also yes. Okay, I'll say no. <laughs> Uh, but uh, all right, going on to the fourth inning. Um, in your opinion, who is the best? Obviously, the Brewers were supposed to be celebrating their 50th anniversary last year, which they didn't really make a big deal of it because of COVID or anything. Obviously, couldn't with the fans not there. The 50th year, actually, uh, season was actually the year before that. Why they didn't celebrate it then is uh, who knows. But. <laughs> How many more years it'll take before they actually celebrate the 50th? I don't know. But anyway, in the 50 years of the Brewers um, organization, uh, who do you think feel is the best Brewers first baseman of all time? Cecil Cooper, Cecil Cooper or Prince Fielder? Wait, Greg Brock isn't an option? Oh, John Jaha? Um, you can go off the grid. Okay, no, thanks, man. Oh, man, I – that's a great question. Um I don't know if I can answer that. I mean, Prince Fielder, I think, was the most dramatically lineup-changing first baseman that we've had. So maybe you'd have to go with him. But his tenure, unfortunately, was fairly short in Milwaukee. I think Cecil Cooper played 11 seasons with the Brewers, and and and, uh, Prince Fielder played, you know, what, five or six? six? Um, So in terms of the organization, I think Cecil Cooper, but in terms of who I'd want, Oh man, that's a tough. I'll, I'll go with I'll go with Cooper, but it's really tough. I, I struggled also with this. I, I love both the guys. I mean, Prince Fielder is probably my favorite Brewer, second yeah. favorite Brewer of all time, and obviously it was in a yeah. review heyday. With that being said, I, I'll I guess I'm still going to say Cecil Cooper myself. Yeah, I mean that you're that, so that you're that Cooper hit like. 378 or something, and he lost the batting title to George Brett, who had 398. I mean, but just that consistency, the guy had 2,000-plus hits. I mean, he was just a great defender at first base, whereas Prince Prince was not a great defender, you know. And um, Yeah. Yeah, I just – I, I just overall, feel like he's, he's like one of the most underappreciated players um, yeah. in Brewers history – in baseball history, maybe even, and and definitely on that '82 team, I, I feel like he was really a huge uh, star player on that team, and and obviously, yeah. I think if, if no, Fielder, I, 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 if Fielder would have won a World Series with the Brewers, I'm pretty sure I'd be answering him. But um, Cooper, yep, I agree. I, I I agree, and Cooper Cooper is you know doesn't quite rise to the level of a Hall of Famer, in my opinion. But if you look at the numbers of other guys who've gotten in recently, like a Harold Baines, he's kind of right there. Um, too many played first base and too many played first base in Milwaukee for his case, but just saying. All right, here's a fifth inning. Um, how many years will it take you to call Miller Park and Fan Field? Either you'll be, able to do it, you'll be able to do it right away, one to five years, or never. Um, for me it's not a philosophic thing you know like I get it stadiums change names I get why it was done I mean when corporate sponsor leaves you get another corporate sponsor I I totally get it from a business perspective I think it's just gonna be a force of habit for a while to still call it uh, Miller Park so you know I'm not I'm not as upset as some Brewer fans are about this Um, but I just think force of habit I'll say one to five years yeah you're probably right 
Um, that'll probably be what happens to me, but I, I guess I'm just going to answer never just because I, I think <laughs> it's just it's so ingrained in my brain that Miller Park is Miller Park. I don't know. Yeah. But who knows? Yeah. All right. Well, especially uh, for those of us like us who were there when the stadium opened up, you know, with that name. I mean, yeah. Heck, I've still got my heart. I've still got my hard construction hat when we were going through Miller Park before uh, it was even done or finished. Uh, yeah, I've got that too. Went into the ticket office and you know, it's got the Miller Park logo emblazoned on the side. You know, it's just great memories there, obviously, with uh, with, with you guys and others that, you know, can't, can't erase that. It's going to be Miller Park to a degree, you know, forever. But, um, yeah, anyways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, couldn't agree more. Um, so, uh, all right, sixth inning. Who makes – which Brewer starting pitcher – or? Well, not actually, I say starting pitcher. Which Brewers pitcher will make more starts in 2021? Adrian Hauser, Eric Lauer, or Freddie Peralta? Uh, I'm going to go with Peralta. I think, well, man, some of these questions. Um, practically speaking, no, I may have kind of tough. No, I know. I know. I'm going to go with Hauser. I think, I think, I think you're going to see what they have in Hauser. Peralta just, I think they're going to do the same with him, but I think they're going to continue him in that weird role of being both a starter and a reliever, depending on the week, which I don't like necessarily, but I think that's what they're going to do. It just seems to be the Brewers' way, um, certainly with, you know, the Stearns council tandem. So I'll go with Hauser, but um, I wish Peralta, honestly, if, if 2021 is going to be kind of a see-what-we-got type of year, I wish that they just throw Peralta in the starting rotation for a full 162-game season and see what happens. Yeah, that's right. exactly. Well, I've been beating on the Freddie Peralta drum for a couple of years now, and it hasn't really gone yeah. that well. But so that that would be my ideal situation as they do that. But I don't know if that they will. So, I guess out of the three guys, I'm the least high on Adrian Hauser, and I don't. I mean, nothing against the guy or anything like that. But um, so I guess well, if I had to bet money on this, I'd probably actually go with Eric Lauer. I, I think that. Again, it could just yeah. be a serious thing. I mean, he traded for him. I think he wants to see what he's got in him at the major league level. He's already got major league experience um, with the Padres and whatnot. I think that they're just going to – as long as he's healthy, obviously that's a concern. Uh, and what this – you know, the true answer will probably be with the three of these guys. But I'll just say Lauer, even though I hope it's Peralta. So, all right, moving on to the seventh inning. <laughs> this is just a, a random one, but uh, – you can pick the over the under on the number of wins that Josh Lindblom gets in 2021 over or <laughs> under or no, not wins. I'm sorry. Starts actually not even wins. Okay. <laughs> over, okay. The over under on the number of starts that Josh Lindblom gets as a Milwaukee brewer in 2021 is I'm going to set it at, uh, 12 starts over or under oh oh over for sure uh yeah over for sure i, I think that uh, he's a guy that you know we signed him to that three-year deal i don't think it was to fit in the bullpen so yeah I'll, I'll, I'll say over i'm gonna say under i think he's no, i'm not saying he deserves it craig i'm just saying yeah I no i know no you're too. probably gonna be no i i mean i would bet i would bet the over if i was betting but for some reason, I think it's going to be under. I think he's going to show that he's not even worthy of being a back-end starter, unfortunately, and that uh, they've got those other young guys that we mentioned in the last inning question that they could, you know, plug into those spots. So, and possibly if any other free agents coming in, 
So I think he might end up being just like that, you know, middling long reliever type guy and therefore not get that many starts. But I hope I'm wrong and he emerges and is more helpful than that. But anyway, I'll, I'll take the under for that reason. But if I had a bet, you're probably right. He'll, he'll get more than that. Um, all right, eighth inning. You know, when Scott's here, we either do this. He, he's so fast at this. We usually, you know, fly through. Oh, I know. Taking our time mm-hmm. on this a little bit. But, um, he, really, he really puts the rapid and rapid fire. Yeah, so that's all right. We'll expect him back next time. Um, all right, eighth inning. Who do you think is the best GM in Brewers history? Uh, Harry Dalton. I mean, he's the only Brewers GM that's gotten us to the ALCS, or beyond the ALCS, I should say, um, and to a World Series. Uh, I think you know, given what he did with the team prior to the 1978 season, uh, his hiring of George Bamberger at the right time, his bringing in Harvey Keene at the right time uh, in 1992, um, he made a couple of successful, big, controversial at the time trades where, you know, he traded our best prospect uh, at the time was a guy named David Green to the Cardinals uh, as the centerpiece of a trade for Raleigh Fingers and Ted Simmons. Uh, I know that St. Louis ended up winning the World Series in 82, but he really fleeced the Cardinals that year, getting uh, not only Simmons and Fingers, but also Pete Bukovic. Um, so two Cy Young Award winners, two Hall of Famers in the trade. I mean, I, I just think that, you know, again, if the, if it wasn't for the weird playoff format of 2020, we never would have made the playoffs. And then, you know, Stearns would have two playoff appearances under his belt in an expanded format. Uh, Dalton has had two back-to-back playoff appearances in 81 and 82, um, and under the current rules of who makes the playoffs, he would have had a bunch more in 78, uh, I think in 79. I mean, I'd have to look at the exact records that year, but, you know, if there was a wild card, for instance, that existed in those seasons and a couple others, um, he would have had a ton of playoff appearances. So I, I don't think that uh, Stearns has done anything yet to eclipse Harry Dalton. Yeah, I totally agree with your total assessment. Harry Dalton and that one trade is pretty phenomenal. <laughs> Whenever you can say two Hall of Famers on our side in a trade, that's got to be amazing. I and mean, that's going to be tough to top in franchise history. With that being said, yeah. the Stearns trade to acquire um, Christian Yelich is probably going to be number two, if not you know, right up there with yep. best trades in franchise history. And uh, again, that was more more to the Marlins' discredit than probably Stern's credit. But I mean, it, it was a phenomenal trade. But uh, yeah, he would still probably finish at least at the best third on my list. So I, I mean, I think Doug Melvin and what his tenure here with the Brewers was still even you know probably second best, well behind Dalton. But um, you know, and his best trade is probably you know acquiring CC to make that amazing run. But um, overall, yep. I think he, he had a good mark on the organization as a GM. And um, obviously, that was, again, our Brooker-Boo heyday. Too, oh, so. yeah. Got a soft for, spot. For sure. I, I, I mean, me too. No, I love, I love Doug Melvin. I, I think that he was a good GM, especially for the time, uh, you know, that he came in for the franchise. So no, no question about that. And keep in mind, you know, he took over for Dean Taylor uh, after that woeful season in 2002. I mean, my God, it couldn't have gotten much worse. And, you know, within a few years, Doug Melvin had – had them respectable and another year or two after that he had them in the in the postseason so no I have a soft spot for for Melvin as well and I think that Stearns has done great um you know overall his last you know in his in his short tenure but um you know time will time will tell on him yeah 
But I think we'll have a good one going forward with Matt Arnold. Um, no, but the the one the one thing that I guess I didn't want to really ding Doug Melvin for this, but I, I thought it was a little bit unprofessional how he used to uh, always laugh at uh, our colleague Tom Hordicourt because of how how ridiculous <laughs> how ridiculously you know <laughs> unprepared and some of his interviews he had with him was pretty unprofessional and, and Doug, Doug yeah, Melvin totally. would, kind of, would kind of just laugh in his face and uh, kind of thought uh, you know I think he kind of thought. Tom Hardcore was an asshole, and I, I don't know. I, I just don't really think that that you know that's as professional as a GM should be. But, <laughs> but I mean, I mean when you're dealing with, me- you with mem- when you're dealing with members of the, the media that obviously shouldn't be in that position, I mean, I, I can't fault them too much for that. But I, that's probably cost them the top, the top spot here on my list. I'm sure. But, but, but no, here, here, he wasn't he was he wasn't wrong. I mean, okay, yeah. Harry Dalton didn't have to deal with that type of shit, so uh, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, so true. Anyway, um, yeah. So no, that's all I got for this episode, Vince. I mean, kind of breaks my heart that Scott wasn't here for this, but um, hopefully. Yeah, no, I agree, Craig. Good to talk some baseball with you. Um, on a personal note, uh, and for our, our listenership, I'm really happy that you've recovered from. Your bout with COVID nineteen. Stay safe out there, everybody. It's been a crazy few weeks for our our hosts here on the Brew Crew Review. So glad to hear that you're feeling better, Craig. Yeah, and I mean, I didn't want to go all Chris Cuomo on you guys and like make you uh, go through all that with me. So I didn't want to really highlight it. But I I, I guess I will say that I'm thankful to <laughs> be beyond that, and um, and that uh, I highly recommend you not. Um, acquiring the virus, uh, no matter what your age yeah. is, and and uh, do, please be safe out there and do everything you possibly can to not get it. Uh, that that's that'll be my short of it, so to speak. Um, definitely. Yeah, man. No, really, really glad that you're uh, recovered. I know that um, you know we'll we'll get back into the swing of things here as the hot stove league picks up. Really excited to talk baseball on a regular basis with you and uh, and, and Scott and Chad and just you know ready to ready to get back into it and it's only been you know what a month not even since the last baseball game of the 2020 season but i'm already getting excited for 2021 i'll try to tamper down my enthusiasm and and really get excited after christmas but uh really excited for the for the you know discussions that we're going to have coming up in the ensuing weeks and uh you know the hot stove league and you know who knows maybe the brewers will surprise us and make some moves this offseason and uh, David Stearns will, will pull a rabbit out of his hat one more time and, and you know, we'll put together an actual competitive team in 2021. But either way, I'm just excited for some baseball and some normalcy uh, next spring. Absolutely. And as we approach the winter meetings here, I know that um, in the holidays, of course, the uh, last year, David Stearns kind of hit up the free, the, you know, obviously the bargain bin part of the free agency. Um pretty early on in the off season, I think late November, early December, you made a lot of those signings. So I would kind of expect that by the time the next time, maybe we do a podcast, uh, that there'll already be some actual moves made here by Stearns and some things will come together. But I think, I, I think that, that, that big fish is definitely going to be Josh Hader dangling out there. And uh, it'll be really interesting to see um, what, if indeed he gets traded and what we get for him. So It'll be exciting, and uh, but you know, hopefully, here we can bring you some more content during the off season, beyond the winter meetings, and maybe some player interviews going forward and whatnot. And of course, 
uh, the return of Scott Bartel and potentially Chad Collins from hibernation at some point. Um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely want Sky back here as soon as possible. Um, I know he'll be really, he's going to be crushed that he missed the rapid nine. That's one of his favorite segments, but uh Anyway, he's a busy, busy man with lots of errands to run and, uh, you know, dogs to groom and all that <laughs> stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, we expect him back. So, uh, Vince, I know that we're, we have an active Twitter and all that good stuff. So I don't know if you want to mention that stuff. Yeah, no, it's, thanks, thanks, Craig. Yeah, Group Crew Review 1 uh, is our Twitter handle. Uh, send any questions. I know that Scott and the interns are actively monitoring that. Group Crew Review Podcasts with an S at gmail.com. Uh, you continue. You can uh, continue to follow us on there, and we will try to update that as often as possible. And certainly try to update that as any uh, brewers or baseball news comes out. So uh, we do appreciate you listening. Remember to stay classy, Wisconsin. Go Brewers! Go Brewers!